Hi, I'm Hugh. I'm an alcoholic. Win my water cup, bro. Oh, thanks. Cheers. All right. Um, oh, thank you, Anna, for asking me to speak. Um, grateful to be here. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for your commitments. Um, this is a great space. I've never been to this meeting. I've always heard good things about it. I know a lot of people that come here. Um, it's nice to see familiar faces. And, um, you know, I love AA. I love the community and the fellowship. And I'll get into that. But um, my sobriety day is August 10, 2015. And um, I'm from Connecticut. My sponsor is Rick P. Um, I met him at my Monday men's meeting in Laguna Beach. Uh, it's called men's, Men with Feelings. <laughs> and it gets nuts. I mean, it gets nuts. I left it for a while because those guys couldn't play nice together. But I love them all. And, you know, I'll talk about that too. Once in a while we get into it. But I love AA. I say every time there's people who are, you know, vocal and passionate when they share about AA. Linda Brown is who comes to mind. She says it's the single most important thing she will do today. And I agree. Um, and my primary purpose is to just stay sober and help another alcoholic. It's that simple. You know, I kind of like keep the bar low. I just got to stay sober today. Um, a mentor of mine, Tim Ayers, you know, he would always text me when I was new. And I come to learn he got this from another guy. I don't know if it was Paul, Michael Rudder, but anyways, he would text me B.A. C 0.00, you know, blood alcohol content. Like as long as you go to bed sober tonight, you're a winner. And that's what I needed in the beginning. It was too overwhelming for me. I'm not type A, you know. Um, I wasn't exactly all in in the beginning. You know, there's like just self-preservation. It's like I was kind of out of options. I had options, but I wanted to give sobriety a shot. But I wasn't. I wasn't completely, you know don't drink no matter what guy just yet. But um, anyways, my sponsor is Rick P. Um, I have a few sponsors these days, you know, they do keep me sober, you know, nothing like working with newcomers. Um, but uh, I'll start, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up in Connecticut. I was born in Vietnam, right? We left in 1975. I was one years old. You know, it plays a part in my story because um, we come from a war-torn country youngest of four kids, single mom, and I was pretty dysfunctional, you know, she was just trying to pay the bills. So I was, I was, you know, just kind of left unintended. It wasn't like the way kids are raised today. But trust me, I, I had every opportunity, but I blew them and squandered them all, you know. Um, I'm an alcoholic because I'm selfish and self-centered to the core. So one of my first memories, my brother, he was like six years older than me. And he was basically raising me. He was like my babysitter, you know? And um, man, when I was like seven years old, I remember hanging out with him. So he's like 13, him and this dude, Bobby, Bobby Hanley. They're both dead. My brother just died this year. Bobby's dead. All his friends are dead from alcoholism. But um, man, they were talking about uh, the day uh, marijuana would be legalized. This is 1982. And I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking a hit off a joint at seven years old, you know? And I remember, these are my memories. I have good normal childhood memories too. I played with Star Wars, I loved Snoopy, but I remember like they're talking about marijuana being legal, Philip Morris Tobacco Company copywriting the name Colombian Gold already. So this is a memory, you know? 
And uh, here we are today. Weed is legal. But, um, you know, you start playing with fire at that young of an age, you know, buckle up. So, um, you know, started like my first true like drink was at 12. And um, my friend's mom was in the psych ward. You know, these are the kids I hung out with. Uh, it was me, my friend Dave Kimball and Donnie Perkins and the whatever. We just got really drunk, you know, threw everything in a cup, every every liquor in the cabinet, just got really drunk, you know. Um, it wasn't the end all be all. I do remember being like rebellious and just destructive. And I liked that, you know, and I say that for a reason. It's there's there's an you know, an identity that goes along with alcoholism and a way of life and lifestyle that just gives me, you know, impunity to run amok. I get to do whatever I want. I think that's one of the hardest things to let go of when we start or when we try to stop drinking and drugging. It's that identity, you know, no accountability, no responsibility, full immaturity. Um, but that's what I remember. I remember like it was kind of cool the next day. Everyone knew we got drunk and they were kind of giving us props. We had a soccer game and blowing it, you know, and uh, that was my sport. And then it wasn't really quick, really quick, <laughs> you know? Um, so no great soccer career highlights because that was over with um, drinking, smoking, and then, you know, just starting to rebel by 12, 13. So, I mean, I fit in relatively well. I had my insecurities. We all do, right? I come here, I meet people who grew up all different backgrounds. You know, my friend Jim here, he's got a crazy story. Um, he comes from a solid, you know, AA family. And yet here he is, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. Um, and it's not because I was so poor, you know, or I didn't have anything or my mommy didn't love me. It was, I made choices for sure. Um, other people can look at my life and be like, well, you know, like I used to see a therapist in treatment and I would hand her the tissues. <laughs> like that's what it was, but I mean, I don't spin it like that. I'm not Oliver Twist. It was rough, but I've heard worse. And trust me, I blew it all, you know? Um, um, yeah, we start partying. I'm like skateboarding. I don't want to play sports. I don't want to take direction. I don't want to go to practice every day. You know, I don't want to do homework. I want to cheat. I want to start, you know, just running amok. So we're drinking now. I mean, by seventh grade, we're going to the mall with little cups drinking, you know, stupid kid shit. But that's what the kids I surrounded myself with were doing. Not everyone, you know, I, I talked to young kids in treatment, like everyone does heroin where I come from. And I'm like, bro, no. <laughs> like, your generation's in college, trust me, you know? Mine was too. Like, it's going to be tough when you wake up one day. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I grew up in the punk rock scene. I started going to shows at 12. I mean, I'm coming home at four in the morning, um, going to shows, punk rock in Connecticut, in New York, in Boston. My whole high school career was kind of like, I was in the punk rock scene. We're going to New York a lot, hanging out, going to CBGBs. I go to Boston, go to DC, all these famous clubs. But I'm also in school. I get good grades, you know. Um, one time I was in the paper for making the honor roll and for getting arrested for assault and battery. You know? <laughs> so that's how I rolled. You know why though? I was always super self-conscious of how I looked. 
I never once smoked a cigarette in school. I never got high in school or drank. After school, everyone knew, you know, it was a burnout. Um, yeah, that's what I did, you know, but I was so self-conscious of how I presented and I always would compose myself. Um, I wasn't living a lie. Everyone knew what I did. I didn't really try to hide it, but that's part of my alcoholism. You know, what everyone thinks about me, it would consume me. So I was hanging out with really bad guys on this punk rock scene. And then the local jock friends I hung out with too, um, they were pretty much dysfunctional like me. A lot of us, you know, we didn't have fathers. I didn't know any of their um, father's names or had ever even seen them. So we raised ourselves, you know, we're like grandiose. We're watching movies, trying to like pretend we're going to be something. And um, um, just justifying, you know, rationalizing and normalizing, like the book says, a way of life. It was it wasn't just drinking, you know, we were grandiose. We were going to drink, fight, but get good grades, try to go to college, try and be wealthy. It was just all a dream, you know. Um, as far as putting in the work, though, you know, that's nothing I learned until I came to AA. So it got pretty nuts. A lot of kids got arrested. And I never really talked about this. I don't know what to say for 40 minutes. I don't like talking about too many details, but we fought a lot. I was in like, I was, oh, man. I was in like these gangs. I don't know how to describe it, you know? And, um, you know, I was getting, I was getting into trouble, but I never went to jail because I, I was low key. I mean, my friends were going to jail. Guys were being questioned for murder. I was being questioned for homicides by cold case for different things. It was crazy. I was around guys that were like killing each other literally in between the middle of them. And, um, and it wasn't like Compton. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it was a weird thing. And, um, it was uh, just a, who I surrounded myself with, these like people. And I'm just from Connecticut. It's a normal suburban town, but um, weird working class Irish and Italian. I was in a fraternity in high school. It was a real fraternity, but I was in high school and they were, they were created just to fight other fraternities. Like we had like logbooks and colors. I was in EKA, Epsilon Kappa Alpha. I don't know how to explain it. It's bizarre. It was bizarre. It's like the outsiders on steroids and we just got into a lot of trouble. And um, man, there was kids in my frat that their dads were in it and it was just to strictly drink and fight. So I would do that. I'd go to punk rock shows and fight. And, uh, it was crazy, but I was always kind of still low key and we're drinking a lot, smoking weed. Um, so anyways, somehow I made it through high school. Um, and I wanted to move to New York. So I went to New York for college in 92. I went to art school, majored in film. I had all these friends there um, from the punk rock scene, you know, from all over the Northeast. And um, it was a good time. I was in the Lower East Side, um, drinking for free every night, you know, and then drugs came in. So I know this is AA, but, you know, it was the 90s and um, heroin was prevalent. So. One night I do coke and then shortly after, I mean, months later, I'm shooting heroin and crack together, smoking crack, shooting it, smoking dust and um, trying to go to school, but I drop out, obviously. Um, and one day I realized I finally have a problem with drinking because we're drinking too, trust me. You know, the four in the morning, the bars are open. And uh, I'm 
I'm not getting into too much trouble, though. You know, you're not going to get a DUI in New York because you're walking, taking subways and cabs, you know. In the early 90s, it was pretty lawless. I wasn't really getting arrested. It's changed. Giuliani cleaned it up. But uh, it was crazy back then. And, um, you know, by, let's say, 2021, all right, I knew I had a problem. I had actually moved to Colorado for a year, um, went to Vail tried to get out of the city, get away from drugs. And I drank every night, there, you know? I know I'm an alcoholic. That's all I had, so that's all I did. I got good at drinking bourbon, you know? Because it's funny though, because uh, my body doesn't process alcohol well, but I'll drink it. I'll throw up, but I'll drink it again, you know? You hear, you hear that all the time with people's first experience. It's just this escape, it's like, no matter how bad your first time was, whether it was, you know, you've arrived or you got fucked up, crashed your car, you still seek it, you know? And that's how drugs were for me too. So alcohol, drugs, it's partly a solution, but I'm so restless, irritable, and discontent. It's still not enough. And that's kind of how I lasted so long. I got clean and sober at 41 because I can never subscribe and go all into the alcoholic way of life. I would stop and never stay stopped, just like the book says, you know? Um, so, move to Colorado, drink every day. You know, we're snowboarding, smoking weed, doing mushrooms, whatever. Nothing major, but I miss New York. I wanted to go back, so I go back. And then my habit picks up full and, um, it's funny, I heard about withdrawal, physical withdrawal. I never believed it. I thought my friends were lying. You know, I thought they were weak. <laughs> I really did. It's a funny thing. It's the same where normies don't really understand alcoholism. I still, and I know now because I'm in AA that blackouts are real, but my perception is growing up, everyone would be like, I don't remember what happened last night. I'm like, bro, I know you do. You weren't that fucked up. But my friends did drink to blackout in high school. You know, they could just drink a whole bottle of vodka, chug it. And I couldn't do that. I would die. But like I said, I was, I was always going to drink no matter what, whether my body took to it or not. I need something. You know, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. So it's kind of weird, you know. Um, but after Colorado, I come home, my habit picks up, and I'm starting to feel withdrawal. You know, it's kind of like Jim was saying periodic drinker, you know, periodically drinking on the weekends and using. But one day it's like, let me do it on a Wednesday. Let me do it on a Thursday. And then next thing you know, you're kind of caught out. So um, nothing bad had happened in my life, but I knew, I knew enough. Like, yo, I got a problem. That's all. I had some whatever wherewithal or common sense still at that point. Um, no DUIs, no arrests, nothing. But I was like, shit, I'm fucked. Just that was enough. The addiction. I never had that mental obsession. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm craving drugs, but alcohol too. So I'm like, all right, let me, um, let me try treatment, you know. But the way I drink and drug, I'm able to stop on my own. You know, not so seamlessly. I go street methadone, wean myself off, and I'm good. So I don't qualify for treatment, you know. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. I try AA. I knew about AA. So one thing, um, probably by the time I was five, the first kind of recovery buzzword I heard was Alateen because my brothers and sisters were in it. 
And then I heard about Al-Anon because my mom was in it. And then I learned about AA. And it's weird because my mom was married to a bunch of guys, you know. And that was a problem, but it's not anymore because I've done my steps. I'm the problem. Um, and it's so weird because I don't remember them drinking ever. But she was married to a lot of them. And they were going to AA. She was going to Al-Anon. But I'm so self-absorbed. It's weird because I have a crazy good memory too. I can remember since I was three, I can remember dreams, everything. But I don't remember these guys falling down drunk, beating anyone. I didn't like them because I didn't like anyone. I was always very defiant from a young age. Um, so where was I going with that? Um, yeah, so, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional alcoholic family. Um, but I wasn't really that aware of it. I knew it was dysfunctional, but you're kind of just trying to survive and you're coming up with, you know, coping mechanisms. And uh, I'm just worried about myself. You know, I always have been. So it wasn't like I started drinking because I thought like my mom was with all these drunks or they were beating me. I was just always looking for excitement or something. Sure, there's a bit of self-medication there, but um, like I said, I was selfish and self-centered to the core. So uh, I had a best friend I grew up with and his dad was in AA for 12 years at that point. And that's another one. I was at that kid's house every day as a kid. I don't remember his dad being a drunk, but he was a legit drunk, you know? So I don't know what that means, but um, I guess he was my Eskimo. I called him up, I said, look, I need help. I'm drinking, I'm drugging. He's like, all right, well, you got to do this, that, and the other. You got to complain. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not really sure if I want to go tell my mom, my boss, and, you know, start doing means. And he was like, then you're not ready. Call me when you're ready. And he hung up. But I respected this guy, you know. I spent more time at his house than mine. I was one of those kids. And uh, so I was like, all right. Tried to get in the treatment, didn't qualify, started AA. So I was like 21. I started doing AA. And I started it in Connecticut and then I um, had moved back to New York because I would do that. I was in New York for 20 years. Once in a while I moved back home because I get so fucked up. And, uh, you know, I'm doing meetings in the city. This is like, I don't know, 97-ish, 98-ish. Working, working in restaurants. I was a bike messenger. I did a bunch of jobs. But, um, I liked AA, it was kind of fun, but I wasn't all in it, you know, it wasn't like my life now in AA. So obviously I just wasn't ready, but I was working steps, had a sponsor, going to meetings, but I didn't have a home group, you know, I didn't have commitments. I still had all my, my friends, whether you want to call them normie or not. I had some friends that were just alcoholics, some that were drug addicts, some that were whatever. It was hard for me to give them up. Um, I latched on to my friends. I was codependent. I would get so mad if you're going to tell me, like, you can't hang out with those dudes anymore. And it's tricky when I talk to sponsees about it, you know? You know, but it is a conversation we have to have. But I'm always transparent because I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to go back to Connecticut. I'll tell you that later. But I ended up staying out here. So I didn't have to, you know, tackle that, that, that obstacle. But, um, I couldn't give up my friends in New York. So I would just go to the bars and not drink. Obviously it wasn't gonna last long. I mean, sooner or later, and then boom, right back. So 
after about 10 or 11 months, I go out. I go out hard, of course, and um, maybe last for less than a year. And my brother, who's just like me, this kind of like semi-functioning alcoholic addict, he had this great life in Connecticut. He had a little older, bought the house, the job in New York, office job. He comes and picks me up. He's like, you're going to die. You're living with me. Scoops me out of the city. I go withdraw, kick detox on his couch. It was brutal because uh, I was drinking a lot at the bars and doing heroin and methadone. Had to get it all out of my system, but it's crazy that he saved my life. Um, he still had his life together. It was He was functioning because he was shooting heroin, smoking crack too. Um, but it caught up to him shortly after, you know, and he went off the rails. I kind of managed. I met my um, soon to be ex-wife, but we had a good 11 year marriage. So I met a woman, you know, we got married basically. And, um, you know, we moved back to New York and, uh, she enabled me, but, you know, she also prolonged the, addi the addiction. Cause I, I was never, like I was saying, I was never going to go all in. I'm not going to fuck up my marriage. I was never going to go to jail. If I got sick, I was just kicking. I'm not selling drugs. I'm going to jail. That wasn't cool. I had friends that went to prison. I'd been locked up for possession in New York and whatever. That's enough for me. I don't need that. It wasn't cool. Um, none of my friends never really wore that as a badge of honor. So I wasn't going to go that route. Um, and we got into trouble. We were like delusional. You know, we thought we were going to be like high level gangsters that did it, but didn't get arrested. I, I just wanted you to understand my kind of, egomaniac thinking you know like I'm gonna kick dope because I'm stronger than you weak kids you know it's insane you know it's a cunning baffling powerful disease I stand corrected now obviously but um so uh you know he came pick me up I get married life is good but I could never stay stopped I'm just living a double life so I don't know how to explain it. we're in New York I do good and then I go out, you know, I go on benders. I go to the bars, I drink, um, I pick up drugs, short little runs, I don't know, get caught from my wife, clean up, cut methadone. It, it, it's a long whatever, you know, but um, I, it lasted to the age of 39. In between that time, we're married in New York. I'm always restless, irritable, and discontent. I don't like being an adult, you know. This one guy, Steve Purvis, always says, AA should be called Grow the Fuck Up. I have this great life. I come from nothing, and we're in New York now. Um, life is good. My wife's an attorney. I go from nothing to whatever, you know? Didn't really have to worry about money anymore, and I wasn't grateful. I didn't want to sit around. It was weird. We'd go to restaurants. I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really care about fine wine. I don't really care about real estate. I'm just always bitter resentful, restless, irritable, discontent, you know? What's really going on? Why am I never happy, you know? I get this job, I, you know, I'm creative. I want to be a photographer. I'm a photo assistant for these fashion guys and we're traveling the world constantly. I get burnt out. I go to Paris like twice a week regularly. I don't want to do that. I mean, I stay in the best hotels. And I'm like, I don't know, I just want to go home. I did want to see my wife and my dog, but I'm using the whole way through, copying in other countries, drinking with photographers like all night long. But it's funny though, because I could adapt. I always, like I was saying, I was always self-conscious. 
So how I was so successful, it's not that I was a chameleon. I was always me, but I knew I would freelance for all these different guys. And I knew how to act around them, which guys I was going to drink a couple beers with, which guys I was going to get fucked up with, which guys I do coke with. I kind of knew how to play that game. And um, so that's what I did. But it was the thinking, you know, it's a thinking problem. And it just didn't suffice. So, um, man, I made this crazy decision. Like, I hate New York. I hate being an assistant. Let's move back to Connecticut, have a kid, you know, settle down, buy a house. And that's what we did. And, uh, yeah, my disease took off once I had my daughter. And I really, you know, I really hate to talk about this because, oh, man, it's AA, you know. But I go home. We buy a house and uh, I just have this friend. He's like, this is how I got here. I hate to say it, but he's like, you ever try huffing? And I'm like 39. I've been kind of successfully drinking and drugging. You know what I mean? Shooting heroin and crack. And I'm like, no, I would never do that. Long story short, I do it, you know? And I get strung out and hooked on it. That guy like on Mark's strange addiction, 10, 15 cans a day, blacking out at the wheel, crashed seven times in one year. Never got a DUI though, because it leaves your system. I'm good at lying. They don't suspect me, you know? Um, I'm Asian, you kind of play that card. <laughs> you do, you do, never once. But finally my life was unmanageable. It was so crazy. My wife really, admitted to her sister that she'd rather me, you know, drink and drug the way I did. So that I couldn't hide. And uh, long story short, I start going to treatment centers, you know, because um, I was not showing up for work, crashing cars, and I couldn't stop, you know, honestly, with the with the drinking, you know, I could take breaks and, you know, with heroin, I got on subs in early 2000. I had a script for over 10 years. I'd always fall back on so, you know, the jig was up and it, it was crazy. I, I just, I crashed real hard. And now she could play that card, like, you know, AA, rehab or divorce, because I couldn't stop before I was able to get it back together. And thank God, you know, it's a gnarly, like embarrassing kind of story. I mean, I'm not that embarrassed. It's just weird to say in AA in full detail, but, um, you know, it led me to here. And um, what happened was it took a few treatment centers all over the country, get drinking in the centers and all that. The whole bit, I get roped out here by a marketer, promised me the world, you know, it's what I do now for work, but I don't do that. But um, got me to Laguna Beach seven years ago for treatment, you know, short of it is it took like two more, few relapses out here and, um, I finally embraced AA, you know? I knew about AA for 20 years and I denied it. Like if you're here, if you're coming back, it's like, seriously, you know, you are trying. I was adamant, no, thank you. Fuck you and fuck AA. My brother was like that. He just died, he knew all about it, you know? And um, there was some regret, you know? He saved my life and man, I was so out of my mind. I was just like, I cut him off. I was like, why can't you figure it out, bro? Because I would be able to manage. I'm like, why don't you just go to treatment? Why don't you just go get a methadone? Why don't you get on subs? And um, he just, he checked out, you know, and we are so lucky to be here. There's a, there's a whole world out there of people that know about recovery and they don't want it. 
You know, there's more to it though, right? They're powerless, defenseless. Some aren't, some just, you know, I guess some of us are constitutionally incapable, but some just don't want it. So I'm always grateful just to be sober and be alive. The obsession has been just for today, you know? I could not drink today, sure shit, I know that. You know, I don't drink no matter what. But if I don't, you know, program like we all do, the people I know here, I see you guys regularly in the morning and at night. And we have big lives. We have good lives. I could go into all the fun, perhaps some of the, you know, things you get by default, you get to pay your bills, whatever you want, a car, a house, you get all that stuff. And I want that, but I don't need that. I have everything I need. You know, AA has taught me that. Um, AA is everything to me, you know? I know I'm the problem. There's nothing wrong with anyone. I come to this meeting, I got no problem with any of you. Never been here, I'm not judging, I'm not thinking my meaning's better. I don't have contempt prior to investigation anymore, you know? I know you guys are solid. I'm sure many of you are better than me. I like to say that, you know? I like to look at newcomers and tell them, you have strengths that I don't have, you know? I try to preach grace and equality. I can take direction from a dog because left alone, my thinking's fucked. I can't do it by myself. We gotta all do it together, you know? Um, you know, it's community and fellowship. The fellowship is kind of everything to me. You know, that's just my take, but yeah, it takes work when you're willing. It's not that hard. I don't overcomplicate it, but whatever works for you. Um, I don't have my big book. I don't even, quote it like Brent does over here no but there's there's you know there's something to that about my insecurity you know what I mean if if I didn't work these steps I'd have a resentment against thumpers you know <laughs> but it's making me feel less than because I'm judging myself but you know I know I'm good and whatever works for you works man whatever you know, it's so subjective why we're so passionate. Some are passionate about this step or that step or this quote or whatever, you know? And I have my reasons. And I always try to remember, I'm always looking inward when working with newcomers, you know? When I tell them you can't hang out with your homies anymore, you know? I let them know, like, I didn't have to make that decision, but let's talk about it, you know? And if you tell me you're good and you're not gonna drink, with your friends, I believe you, you take a lie detector test right now, you're gonna pass it. But this disease is cunning, baffling and powerful, you know? You don't wanna fuck around. You wanna stack the odds in your favor. I was so fortunate, man. I, um, I do the morning meeting. I don't tell my sponsees I got my ass up every day though. My treatment center made me go, or we got written up, you know? But that set the precedent, you know, that set the tone for me. And, I felt welcome, you know. Hopefully you guys feel that here. Um, there's a sign at the canyon that says, we care, you know. And uh, I felt that. And I always want to tell people, like, it wasn't because I came in so cool that I was so embraced. It's just because I showed up every day. You suit up and you show up. I had nothing to say. I didn't pull up in a Ferrari. I didn't have a car for two years, you know. I had get well jobs at the age of 41. And, you know, I had this life back east in New York, you know, but whatever. Um, it's funny, though, you know, you have all that stuff, and that's alcoholism, that thinking. You don't care about it. You don't want it anymore. You know, 
the drink comes before anything. I had a daughter, you know? And uh, so that's where the disease, you know, will take you. And when I reflect too, man, I don't, I don't like look at my highlight reel in life and I don't spin it like I was some big shot. You know, I was an alcoholic drug addict, you know? scumbag dirtbag selfish self-centered to the core like i'm not going to tell you i mean i just did but i'm not going to make it seem like i had this great life in new york and i was cool because i wasn't i was scared you know and why did i resort to like huffing not because i'm sick like i'm that like fucked up inside like i can't deal with reality i'm that restless irritable and discontent you know if i talk about fighting that's because i'm so scared you know, not because i'm so tough any anything like that you know that seems arrogant you know it's we're always reaching out we're always reaching out until we look inward it's an inside job trust god clean house help others i've just been blessed to to have landed out here it doesn't matter how i got out here the guy that got me out here man he's a story but i got nothing but love for him he may have lied to me. You know, he, told me he, gonna, he told me he was gonna put me on like pain management. I was like, yeah. I booked the flight right away. Instantly booked the flight out here. And I went through it. I had to be, you know, humbled. I thought I was better than everyone. You know, I used to say this stuff to the staff in treatment, like, I don't wish your life on anyone. I would never want to work in treatment. And that's what I do now. And I pay my bills and I love my life, you know. I have a good community and uh, yeah, it's, it's like, I could talk about, you know, just AA and how it works for me. You know, I have a few like mantras and, you know, it's, yeah, I don't drink no matter what, you know, and um, AA is the best thing that ever happened to me. When I was young, I was a victim and I didn't even know it. You know, I was always I grew up in Connecticut in a normal, weird-ass working-class town, but there's a lot of affluence around me. And I always be like, where's mine? You know, where's mine? And I'm in New York surrounded by successful people. I'm here. But you know what? AA is mine. That's my, like, silver platter. God has handed me and you an opportunity, the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, might seem like a stretch if you're new, but anyone who does this program knows it's the best thing ever. And um, you stay sober and everything will work out because everything is working out. Um, you know, I always say my primary purpose, stay sober, help another alcoholic. And um, after that, you know, um, yeah, I just took six years, right? I remember that five years, I was like, oh shit, it's gonna get dicey now. People start dipping out, you get a life, you know? And I had this kind of like, you know, idea, like definitely don't want to do that. Not going to be that guy. Maybe I'll dig a little deeper. Maybe I'll get a therapist, you know, um, you know, peel back the layers, you know, see what's really going on. And, you know, I knew, and I was saying this a lot when I shared that five years, like I'm good. Like the program I work today will keep me sober. Sure shit for the rest of my life, one day at a time. But I would be selling myself short if I didn't revisit steps, you know, solution, perhaps our other avenues of spirituality. There's more, you know. And I knew I could have more success in life with my relationships, you know, even professionally, you know, because um, I always 
I just admitted I was the victim at one point, feeling like I come from nothing, you know. But my brain tells me I'm not a victim, you know. I'm not sitting there crying. I'm not curled up in the fetal position. I act tough. I go out. I get it. But if I'm ever in judgment or resentment, I'm the victim, you know. So the steps, you know, teach me to look at things that I was once blind to, these blind spots. It's like, um, I think I'm humble. I don't think I'm cocky. I don't really walk around the room flexing. I don't throw out stories and words, but you know, if I, if I get honest, you know, there's something there. We all have an ego. We just present it differently. The way they say people grieve differently. So you do all these things, or I do all these things, and it brings me back to center, and it makes me feel a part of an equal, not better than, not less than, no better, no worse. That's what this guy Billy Brown used to say, you know, he passed. We see it a lot, you know. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I know this program works for me. Why people go back out. There are, you know, signs perhaps, right? meeting, count maybe, or whatever. But I try to be careful, right? I wanna just stay in the middle. I wanna say, what do I know? I mean, you got, there are there is simple direction. You don't wanna go too rogue in the beginning, right? You wanna stay, you wanna stay on the reservation. After a few years, maybe get a little abstract, but you know. Oh man, this girl last night, she said there's three levels of AA, you know? Level one is like you're new, taking direction from your sponsor. And then level two is, uh, you know, kind of got, you did your steps and now you're kind of looking at some old timers and maybe thinking you could teach them a thing or two. <laughs> and then there's level three, you're back to level one again, <laughs> taking direction. That was brilliant. Yeah, I love speaker meetings. I go to a lot and I was like, fuck, 40 minutes. Good, only two minutes left. I didn't think I was gonna be able to do it. I did, a, I did one on Zoom recently like, because I've done 10 minutes and by 10 minutes, you're not even close to getting in solution yet. You know, I blasted through this one 40 minute lead I did. And I hate talking about, you know, the uh, what it was like part, because I've always been wired that way to be low key. My friend Tim says what it was like, what happened and what I drive now. <laughs> uh, you know, life is good. I drive a, a working car with, with four new tires. That's what my sponsor says. But yeah, man. I'm overpaid and I never had it so good, you know. Most of you guys have the same life. If I know you, I know you have a good life. You know, I see you all. You do everything I do. You do a lot of things better than I do, you know, which is great. Like, I'm okay with myself. I want what I got. If you're new, I want you to have more than what I got. That's how good I am. You're young, I want you to like kill it and you will. There's no way around, it's by default. You know, it took me a little longer, but I'm good. Um, if you're new, yeah, man, this is the best thing. And it's just love, all we ever have been looking for is love. That's why I chose the friends I did when I was young, you know, so they could kind of co-sign my bullshit or we could all co-sign it together. And now, you know, I'm with a community that, you know, keeps me accountable and loves me for who I am and wants nothing but the best for me and I for them. It's just so liberating to not compete. And I'm still human, there's the human condition, you know, but the reality is it always comes back. It's not like I don't judge or hate. 
But it all comes back to, you know, trust God, clean house, help others. I'm the problem. If I'm not the problem, there is no solution. It's all the same shit you hear everyone else say. It's not rocket science. I keep it simple. And, uh, you know, I stay grateful. That's always my topic is gratitude because I've been to the gates of insanity and death and here I am and here we are, you know, and this is it. I like to say, these are the days, you know, not yesterday, not five years ago. These are the days, you know, this is like our time, our crowd, who we see here, you know, and all we have is right now. So embrace it. Thanks.